You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. In today's episode, we discuss the new Broadway play Grey House, the new albums from Kim Petras and Kelly Clarkson, and an experience at the BB Rexa concert. This is Half Hour with Jeff and Richie. Half Hour! Welcome to Half Hour with Jeff and Richie, the theater and pop music podcast. I'm Jeff. And I'm Richie. And we're bringing you our casual conversation on all things theater and pop music. And just as a reminder, our theater section may sometimes feature some spoilers, so you have been warned. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that being said, today we are starting in Broadway land and talking about the new play from Levi Holloway, Grey House. So, Richie, tell us more about the show and your initial thoughts. Yes, we went to go check out Grey House on Broadway. This is the first Broadway show of the new Tony season, the 2023-2024 Tony season, which is really exciting that we're like, we just finished Tony Awards, <laughs> and and now we're like diving into a brand new season here. We're already um, back at it. Yeah. And there's a lot coming this summer. I feel like more than normal, usually it's like the fall, and there's like a great handful of shows this summer, new shows that are part of the new Tony season. Mm-hmm. So we did check out Grey House on Broadway at the Lyceum Theater in New York City. The play is by Levi Holloway. It stars Laurie Metcalf, and it was directed by Joe Mantello. Uh, we have spooky horror on Broadway, which we have seen before. I feel like we've seen horror in the Rocky Horror Picture Show, Beetlejuice kind of comedic way. Always comedic. It always has a comedic flair to it, but there is some spooky too. This, even, even like Sweeney Todd, sometimes comedic. Sure, right. right. This really goes dark and stays dark and very rarely gets comedic. I think this was a pretty cutting edge play for that genre. My overall thoughts that that it wasn't bad. I really enjoyed a lot of it. I enjoyed a lot of the production elements. I enjoyed the writing. I enjoyed Laurie Metcalf's always amazing in what oh, she yeah. does. So like, there's never anything wrong there. <laughs> and Joe Mantello is a wonderful director. There's some nice things going on there too. Um, I, I will say that there were a, a few moments of like, wait, what? And yeah. oh, wait, what? And so there was that when I was kind of a little like, oh, wow. And I, think, I feel like when we were leaving – there was people in the audience like, did that happen or did that happen? Or like, I think that happened. And it was like, no, I think that happened. So I want to talk to, about the ending in a little bit. But overall, I would say I enjoyed this. And I, and I, there was a few moments where I literally jumped and was like, <laughs> ah! And we, and we were on the aisle. And so I really thought that maybe someone was going to come down the aisle because – in the beginning, you know how like you know the lights fade to half. There's an announcement, and then the lights fade completely out. This was a boom blackout in like a like a haunted house. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really cool. But overall, I did enjoy it for the most part. Same. I, yeah. I I feel like when we talk about things that live up to our expectations, I feel like this teetered on really going there for me. I I kind of feel like I wanted to be spooked a little bit more. 
with mm-hmm, the show. Mm-hmm. And I think there may have been some safe moments in the show that I think they could have pushed the envelope a little bit farther. But in terms of expectations for you, do you feel like it lived up to your expectations? It did for the most part. Like I said, I, I keep saying for the most part. There was a couple moments where I thought maybe the plot could have taken us in a little bit of a different direction. Right. Um, and maybe there was just something else that could have happened. But I did enjoy it. And 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 what I will say is like the set was really wonderful. It was utilized and used. I love when a set designer and a director are both using the full space that they are given. How many times do we see shows and it's like down front and center the whole time? And I'm like, you have this, use the set behind you. Like, so it was used a lot. There was some nice performance. There was a lot of children in this show and they right. gave great performances. It did meet my expectations overall. If we sure. want to talk about a little bit more about the set and overall direction, direction by Joe Mantello and set by Scott Pask. I thought some of the direction choices were just on top of it. It's always Joe Mantello knows what he's doing. He definitely would be someone to work with in the future. Mm-hmm. But I, I just felt like he knows how to really utilize a stage with what he's given, especially with these children actors, because it's sometimes hard to get them around and move around the stage. Mm-hmm. And at times, though, I feel like I wanted more from the set. We know Scott in the, in the past is very usually, usually like still set, like doesn't move. There's not a lot of moving pieces. And at times I was like, hmm, if that wall changed or if this, if the house flipped around in any way, would it have added more to like the scariness of it? Mm. You know what I mean? Like there were some cool things that they did with like the refrigerator changing or like a kid appearing in the window. Or like the stuff. drawer opening and closing. Right. right. But like they go outside a lot. Mm. And I don't know if this is like a, a moment that we're not supposed to really know. Like whatever happens outside of the house, do they actually go outside the house? Because they're ghosts. These kids are ghosts. Spoiler alert. Yeah. But <laughs> um, they're they're ghosts. So like – where do they actually go? Is it our imagination that they're actually leaving and they never end up leaving the house? I don't know. That's just something I thought about now. But it always says to me, like, if that set just spun and we saw mm, something mm. like a forest is scary, we're hearing about something happening, a car crash in the woods, they hit a deer. We always just hear about it, but we never actually see it. So you kind of have to bring your imagination there. But I just feel like it could have added to a little bit more of the depth of the show. I will also say from a writing – yes, I hear what you're saying. And I I would also say from a writing perspective, I always find that a play, especially a murder mystery or a a straight play, will have these tendencies of doing one of two things. Either they're beating me over the head with the message and the plot and I leave like, okay, we get it. Like this is what this is about. Or – the other end of the spectrum is I am so confused right now. I have no idea what I just witnessed. This kind of fell in the middle for me. I feel mm-hmm. like things were spelled out, but there was this little bit of like, oh, and I know people keep talking about the ending, like what happened? What happened? But I think the point is for you to leave talking about it. I remember leaving there saying, okay, we ha- I need a minute to like just think about this and talk about this. I want to know more. And 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 it was nice because sometimes we leave a play like, okay, I, I get it. Like I know what's happening. This did leave you. And I think some people are like, what happened? But I think the point is, for modern theater goers, nothing, not everything needs to be spelled out for you. Create your own narrative. Was that guy this or that? Were the kids that or this? Did the woman stay or not? Make that own assumption and then see. And I'm, and I'm sure 
whatever you're thinking is probably similar to what's most likely actually happening. I also don't think people should be leaving extremely confused and, and right. just leaving like they have no idea. But it is a cool happened. play that at the end of the show, you do get to have that moment of saying, like, what happens? Mm-hmm. What does this house signify? Who in the house stays there forever? You know, does a different character leave next time? Who knows? And that's kind of left up to your own interpretation, which I think is a great ending. Obviously, there is a defined ending. The writer says this. No, there's a clear, distinct message here. And it's kind of really, like, in your face. So don't mm-hmm. overthink the play. Mm-hmm. The- I thought Laurie Metcalf was brilliant in this, just to talk about a few performances. Uh, I, thought I know. Did- is it the most groundbreaking thing that we've seen her do? But it was the most... No, but she it, was committed it the, to it. It is a pretty interesting thing that we've seen her do. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, okay, this is a role that Laurie is doing? Great. Cool. Yeah. Yep. You know? Also, I just wanted to do a shout-out to Cindy Coyne. I hope I'm saying her name right. She was the um, mysterious woman. And I just loved her, or actually, I think she's called the Ancient um, in the show. I just loved her physicality, the way she just moved across the stage. I just think that is such an amazing role. She has some scary appearances, and I thought she was just really great. Yeah, I think that's something that they did really well in the show. Tossing the line between the child actor and the older woman actor, who is really the same person coming back as the different age of ghost. Uh, it was really done well. And mm-hmm. it, it took a little bit of time to kind of figure that out. But that's probably where the most spooky parts were in the show. So, you know, it was great. And um, I, I know we're going to get ready to transition on soon, but Jeff has a kind of a cool announcement to make about our next podcast episode and future podcast episodes, because we're actually going to be featuring some interviews coming mm-hmm. up. And to, to kind of piggyback on Grey House, we have our next podcast episode as an interview with Drumroll. Yes, Drumroll. <laughs> we got the chance to actually interview Levi Holloway. So this is super exciting for us. We are starting our interview series. So every week there's also going to be an interview with someone from the industry, whether that be Broadway or pop music. So you're getting two episodes now from us every week yes. for this new Tony <laughs> season. We have a, our normal episodes and then we'll have interview episodes as well. And... Uh, the interview with Levi is actually really interesting because we go way more in depth with the actual stories. So if you've seen the show and you want to learn more about this show, definitely check that episode out. There's way more spoilers in there. So And that episode's coming out when? On Wednesday. On Wednesday. So Wednesday. if you did like this Greyhouse conversation, you want to hear more, we do ask Levi some really interesting questions about his show. And he does give us some wonderful answers back. Like I said, if you haven't seen the show yet, I mean... You could listen to it anyway, if you whether you've seen it or not, because he's just a wonderful playwright, and really, mm-hmm. we got to ask him some great questions. So yeah. check out that interview with Levi in a couple of days. Definitely check that out. And I want to end on one question about Greyhouse and oh, ask yeah. this yeah. to you, and we could kind of ponder on it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But the show did get mixed reviews. So do you think that the show is too different for Broadway, like the Broadway community? And how do you kind of see Scary living on in Broadway? I definitely see Scary Living On in Broadway. It's, there's, like I always say on this podcast, there's room for everything on Broadway. And I think that this was an awesome, you know, first at bat kind of for something really spooky like this. It is getting mixed reviews. I don't, I am, I'm a firm believer sometimes in when something opens. And I wonder if this opened in October around Halloween, if this would have had a much more bigger buzz market. Everybody's in spooky mode the day after Labor Day. (laughs) And so I feel like, you know, landing this, actually during an awards month 
Yeah. Well, this was in previews and opening while all these other shows were opening. And then to run it in the summer when everybody's going to see the blockbustery things. And this maybe would have landed maybe a little better. I, I'm not saying I, I, the show is deserving to be on Broadway and it should run. I'm just wondering if it's missing a little bit because of the time of year that it landed. I agree with that. That's what I'm thinking. Maybe it's something of, interesting that they could do is like after it's done with its Broadway run, because it does have a set closing. I, I want to say it's closing Labor Day. I'm pretty sure. I think I so. I got to double check that. Yeah. I do feel like this show could work better in an off-Broadway small theater mm-hmm. and make it more scary. Yeah. Like yeah. Make, yeah. Make, make it more interactive with the audience too, like you're immersed into this gray house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and, and going back to time of year, I always say, like, I liked the Thanksgiving play on Broadway, but I wonder if I would have liked that more if we're in Thanksgiving. I'm not saying we need to be, but I just yep. wonder if that would help at all. They had really low ticket sales, too. And I wonder, like, it was literally about Thanksgiving, and I'm sitting there in April or May, and I'm like, oh, wait, yeah, I got to think back to, like, you always reminisce about that story. Not that you can't think about Thanksgiving year-round. I'm just saying, you know. Definitely on Broadway, though. Yeah, right? like yeah. Definitely when it comes to Broadway. Off-Broadway, yeah. it's not, it's not, it doesn't have to follow the same rules because mm-hmm. look at Sleep No More. It does really well off-Broadway, and we know that's a spooky show. Right, so, right, right. And it, so, you know. Yeah. There's, so. there's the, the Grey House a bit. <laughs> Grey House. Amazing. Awesome. All right, now, Jeff, we have a lot to talk about in the pop music world today. So where yes, are we, we starting now? Oh, we have a lot to talk about because we took a week off and a lot came out and we were away. So mm-hmm. a little vacation. Yeah. But during that time, big albums came out. So uh, we had two big albums come out and we'll start with one uh, and then we'll move to the other. But first we had Kim Petras and then we'll move to Kelly Clarkson. But Kim Petras finally came out with her first studio album. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, it's the first full studio album. Yeah, you're right. First full studio. She has only ever had singles come out or LPs, uh, like small EPs. Not LPs, I'm in my vinyl world. (laughs) (laughs) EPs. So, and there's always been all of this hoopla around Kim and working with Dr. Luke and being signed to that label. And you're kind of like, okay, well, we really want Kim to be able to put her work out. So, finally, they greenlit the first album because we already know of plenty of albums that never even made it to streaming services or record stores um, and they were just canned and actually some of the songs that made it onto this album were from those albums Mm. so fun fact for you but i wanted to know we listened to this album what your initial thoughts were about it i did like this i think she's got a great vibe great melody and lyrics The one thing I will say is I know she's had a little bit of a rocky start in terms of like what's released when and what's coming for what album. I'm finding with her that there's this like, oh, I'm going to do a pop-up performance here for a day. And then, oh, wait, this song is going to come out. And then two months later, I'm going to appear here. Oh, wait, and here's an album. It's just so jolty to me. I am so traditional with like release an album, Mm -hmm. then go on a tour. And then tour the album. And I, I I know that's what everyone, especially the big stars do. Maybe she doesn't feel like she's quite there yet. Okay, but my but opinion is, you. what do you think? Like, is this, a, is this an odd, jolty way of releasing and performing? I do agree with you because there's been such a formula in the industry for so long that has worked. And I don't understand why some of the new pop entries into this industry are doing it so different and this is coming from the teams so when you have people like ava max or dua lipa kim petrus 
and they're just putting out singles and then they finally get the albums. It's like the teams don't want to take a chance anymore. They don't want to take a chance and really develop an artist. And I don't understand why. We saw some of the greats get a fully developed, realized image with people like Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, Lady Gaga, Jennifer Lopez. These these pop gurus, these pop princesses, pop queens, had the moment to develop a relationship with their fans have a fully concepted album put out, and then have singles from that album. I just don't understand why we're still trying to kill the album sometimes. On top of the whole, you know, newer artists too, like you brought up Ava Max, she did one night in New York at a small venue that we couldn't get tickets to one night. And I'm like, she has all this amazing music. Like what? And then even like Olivia Rodrigo, like she's breaking out of the Disney world a little bit. She's putting new music out in singles, but like, Okay, where's the now the big next tour? Like, I feel like there's just, well, yeah, I think, it's. I think that's coming next yeah. time. Olivia always said she wanted to have her little moment of what it's like to be a, a rising artist, but she shot to fame because mm-hmm. of the High School Musical and the Musical series show, and then Driver's License being so successful as a pop thing. But she's different because she's getting the album treatment. Actually, when Driver's License was so successful, they said, write the album right now and mm. put it out. Mm. And now we're going to develop you as a pop artist. So, yeah. you know, she's different because she's getting it. Billie Eilish is different because Billie is doing it her way. But I'm talking about like some of these pop singers now, they don't have any control of their career. And I look at Kim and I say, you don't have any control. Mm-hmm. And I know you want it because there's things you want to be doing and... It's also very, we're in a single world, singles, singles, when a single hits this padam, padam, Kylie Minogue comes out and the world goes wild. And it's like, did Kylie release anything else? Is she releasing anything else? But that's different because Kylie's already like a legacy artist in this industry. She's been in the industry for, I'm so sorry, five decades. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There was an interview actually recently where they were like, you've had an album come out for five decades and be in the top 10. All right, well, I mean, Barbara has sex, so I mean, come on. <laughs> you know me. I'm always going to one-up with the Barbara stats because those stats sit way at the top. <laughs> Grandma. And- <laughs> Barbara is Bar- Bar- six Grand- decades of Barbara number one albums. Okay. I mean, is that true or false, right? I believe it's six, and maybe it'll be seven. Okay, but I'm talking about, like, legit pop music. Well, Come Barbara on. was a pop star of her day. <laughs> All right, so we're know, moving I forward. I don't know why it always comes to Barbara. Barbara. Always. I mean, her, uh, you know. But wait, I wanted star. to finish on that. Kylie is doing it in the style of how it's supposed to be done. She announced mm. an album. It's coming out in September. And she has a promo single for it. And she is working that yes. single. She's established. It's a little different. She didn't say, I'm going to drop this single. And then next week, I'm going to drop another one. Right, right. And right. a, let something breathe. Yeah. Let no, it yeah. have a moment. Yeah. yeah. Right? Anyway, Kim Petras, Feed the Beast, first And we love the album. music. Super love happy it. about it. Uh, I thought there were some great standout tracks, if you don't already like them or haven't listened to the album. But my picks are Minute. It is so great. Bait. And King of Hearts. And mm. fun fact there, all three of those songs are not produced by Dr. Luke. So I have good taste. Wow. <laughs> King of Hearts is great. I love that song. Yay. All right. Uh, we're going on to another pop album. 
which is Kelly Clarkson. Oh yes, <laughs> Jeff's been waiting a long time for this. Yeah, I was so happy when she announced that she was coming out with new music because I, we felt like it was missing. Like obviously, we know Kelly's like moving into Christmas Queen territory with two Christmas albums that are just dominating the chart every year. We always know more. I will take that. But Kelly puts up a fight in her Christmas land. But this is Kelly's 10th studio album, Chemistry. And it was released last Friday. So what do you think? Because we also listened to this one together. So um, loved this. (laughs) I loved this. I just love her vocal technique. I love the precision and the accuracy that she has with the vocal the writing is great. It's emotional. It's you can dr- say it. She is the voice of our generation. Oh, wow. That's a statement. <laughs> I do. I will say that there's this new, like, turning of a new leaf with yeah. her. And there's this moving my show. Well, I guess she's leaving the voice, right? So that's well, done. Well, she always goes back and forth between the voice. Okay. So, like, that, I mean, she's she's bringing her show to New York, and I believe she's coming with her kids. She had made a statement saying she, she needs a new change of pace and scenery with her children. Mm-hmm. She's doing the show here in New York. The album comes out. Then she's no, interviewed recently and says she's writing a Broadway musical. It's in the works. We know nothing about it. We don't know who she's collaborating with, if she's doing book as well or lyrics and music, whatever, but she is writing that. She even said in a comment recently, uh, it's a little misconstrued but something along the lines of she wouldn't she hasn't ruled out possibly starring in this show um i I, did hear that there is she's not quite sure i think it was if if you want to ask me it's like sarah borellis she wrote waitress she was like i'm not going to star in it Mm -hmm. and then jesse mueller did it and then later on she's like oh i'll star in it now like maybe kelly would do something where she'll like put it out there see how it breathes and then maybe go land in it and maybe kelly will do like Six shows a week instead of eight, or maybe she'll only do three nights. Who knows? You know, she could probably do it, or maybe she's just going to write it. But hey, something's in the works. So she's doing the Sarah Bareilles crossover, the Elton John crossover. The you know when the pop stars come into the Broadway territory, mm-hmm. you know. And so great, you know. She's I I just love everything she's doing right now, and it's great. And I and back to this album, I do love it. It's great. Full circle. Full circle. Back to the album. <laughs> she definitely is having a great moment in the industry again, and she's making the music that she wants, and I'm so proud of her for doing that. And I think she's making the right choices. Like you said, she's moving to New York. Her show is coming to 30 Rock. It's going to be great. I'm going to be there in some yes, way. got to go. Some, in some way or form. got to go. Know me, I love my Kelly, and I, I get to see some Kelly Oki live. Yeah, Kelly Oki. <laughs> I know, right? I'm right. going to have And so maybe that means fun. she'll have more like Broadway New York people on her show because she'll be in New York. I would love to see her be like the Rosie O'Donnell. Yeah, remember Rosie really brought the Broadway people in. Yeah, Yeah. she every time a show was going on, like she had more and like have her perform with the Broadway talent. I think it would be great. The tough part is like when Oprah and Ellen were doing their shows; those were in Chicago and L.A., and so you were getting a lot of those actors. And now in New York, you know, Good Morning America always does their Broadway weeks and you know things like that. So, and I think they already it's a different thing because it's a different demographic that's watching Kelly and knows who Kelly is. So, I think New York's like the right move for her. And this album, to go back to this, is she said this was all the ups and downs of being in a relationship. So the the album didn't start like happy-go-lucky and the end bad. It's just all different things mixed into one, which was like really great to listen to it from that perspective. Uh, the first song on the album, like the opener, I was literally like, oh my God, she's going to make me cry. Mm. But by the end... 
she has this song called That's Right. And it's this kind of like Caribbean happy thing. And I was like, oh, she's ready to do that line in the sand. Yeah. And she had to change up the genre. She had to change up the sound. She had to have her moment there and say, I'm happy. I'm ready to do my thing. Yeah. And it was just so great to see. Like, she loves what she does. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I was very jealous about this, but because we were in San Francisco, but all over Pride Weekend, she was all over New York City doing flash mobs. And if I ran into that flash mob, that's the only time I would ever want to run into a flash mob. And the vocals <laughs> in these like coffee shop acoustics and stuff were just like stunning. And I'm like, oh my gosh, she's just really got good vocals. That she quality. can just walk in there and just belt. Yeah. Yeah. Belt. Yeah. You know what I want to see her do? I want to see her work with some Broadway talent. And I need her and Bonnie Milligan to belt their faces off at each other. Can they do like a like duet? Like could they do like an awesome like take me, baby, or leave me or something? I mean, like a two female yes. duet or like um oh my gosh, this place. Oh I guess this is our this is our plea right now. Yeah. Kelly and Bonnie belt your faces off with each other in a duet because you, know, you will make yeah. the world gag. Yeah. Okay. We need that. <laughs> Um, and, 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 and side note, I'm just like, so curious to know what this probably musical is. Like, is it an ad- adaptation of a film like Waitress was? Is it a brand new original concept? Is it like her life story? I mean, I feel like we would know if it was her life story, but I would love for it to be a brand new concept. I think the easy way out is to like find a script and then just add music to it. But like, if there's a fully original show, you know, also can Kelly sh- Clarkson be anti-meme in a meme revival? <laughs> I mean, I'm just thinking with, like, with we who? need... With with what? With who? With who? Oh, with her. But like, the, who's going to be the bosom buddy in that song? Oh, um, I don't know. That's it. Bonnie that would be really, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I I just a Bonnie is playing an ant right now, you know. So I in in Kimberly Kimbo. I just always I always maybe say like, it would be like an American Idol person, like Kelly Clarkson and like Jordan Sparks. It's just so interesting. Like we never had a funny girl revival and now we had one and, and the world was asking for one. And Mame, I think there was a revival, but it was with Angela Lansbury again. We've never had a non-Angela Lansbury Mame on Broadway. And it's such a great Jerry Herman score. So I'm like, where is the star? Because you need a star. Who's the star for anti-Mame? It's such a great show. Anyway, I always got to bring it back to some theater, but there of we go. Of course. And my favorites on the album, like favorite boppy kind of songs, Down to You, Favorite Kind of High, and That's Right. That's Love it. That's what we got there. Also, fun fact, we did recently see Once Upon a One More Time, and Justin Carini is starring in that show oh, yes. right now. I wonder if Kelly's going to go see it. Well, first of all, she better. Yeah. But, and we have yeah. another episode coming out about Once Upon a One More Time soon. But, yes. but are we going to have a From Justin to Kelly... Broadway moment. Like, reunion? Oh, mm-hmm. Maybe she'll ask him to be in her show. <laughs> <laughs> It oh will be gosh. the musical will be about American Idol. Oh my gosh! So imagine. And a small town girl from Texas winning. Imagine. There you go. Uh, and we have one more pop thing to talk about. You went to a concert recently. Oh, yes. oh, I was yeah. not there, but I know you. Uh, you went I went there? to see BB Rexa. First of all, she is so underrated as a singer, as a vocalist, as a performer. She definitely needs to be looked at in the industry more because she has some talent and she has some pipes. It was a great show. Um, Something happened at that concert, though, that I didn't realize happened when I was there, because what she's been doing at the shows, and I don't know if everyone knows this, is in the last song, she tells everyone to put the phones away after she does the first verse and chorus, because everyone's out there like this. We've all been at concerts. We all know. Everyone has their phones out and live in the moment, right? So 
She tells everyone to put their phones away during this moment because she's restarting the song. So she redoes the song and she's singing and she's getting towards the end of the song and she's doing the bows and all of this stuff. And then a man chucks a phone at her face. Crazy. Crazy. I didn't see this happen because I was living in my BB Rexa fantasy. I was having such a great time. And the show just ended. And I turned to my friend Jeff and I'm like, why did the show just end? We didn't realize that the show just ended like that. And the next morning when we see on the news, it's like, uh, BB Rexa has a phone thrown at her face and she's Crazy. immediately rushed off the, the stage. She needs stitches. So Come sad. on. Can I we talk about been... etiquette? I know. Now I know. we talk about etiquette in the Broadway world all the time, but now let's talk about etiquette in the pop world. Please stop throwing things on yeah. the stage. At yeah. People. Crazy. It's so crazy. And these people need to be safe and yeah. they're trying to perform. And, but I heard, I did hear overall other than the concert was good. So the concert was great. Nice. And then she came out, she's performing again, and she's, you know, making a joke about this, but she's like, everyone put your phones away. Yeah. Come on. All right, we're getting All right, close we got to do a bop, bop so go really quick. Yes, there's a combination of last week and this week, but I picked eight tracks, so we're going to race through them. Let's do it we're quick. We're going to get Richie's on if he'll think they'll bop, bop or, or they'll flop. flop. All right, here we go. Starting with Kimpetra's King of Hearts. Bop, love it, love this song, love her, yay. <laughs> Then we move to Kelly Clarkson, Down to You. Yes, Down to You, love it. The vocal quality is there. Amazing. Great. BB Rexa, If Only I. Another bop. Huge bop. Love it. Love her. Yes. Okay, <laughs> here we go. Favorite, Gwen Stefani, True Babe. This I'm not really, I'm putting it in flop. I'm not like a huge fan of her, so people can read for me for that if they want. I'm just, She's good. I know she has some iconic songs in her past. I'm just like, this is a little whiny to me. This sounds a little, I don't know. Not All my, right, not she has a tone that you have to, yeah, a, yeah, a, yeah, acquire yeah. tone, sure. I guess. Right. Sure. Okay, Carly Rae Jepsen, Shy Boy. Bop, because everything she does is a bop to me. We're going to see her in August for the third time. We're obsessed with her. We love her. Fun fact there, that's Rich, this will be Richie's third time seeing Carly Rae, yeah. and that's the most he's going to be seeing Ever seen any a pop star. pop star. Love it. Yes. Now moving into Olivia Rodrigo, fun, fun, uh, Vampire. This is great. I really love this because it just goes from low to high. Her whole range is really showed off here, and it's really well written. I love this song. Off topic, we had a quick little moment on this Olivia Rodrigo song, but it is rumored that this song is about Taylor Swift. So everyone Ooh, go back. Everyone go listen, listen to those lyrics. Listen to the song and say, oh, oh she's coming uh, with fire. Yeah. Um, next from the Barbie movie, we have Charlie XCX, Speed Drive. This was like okay for me. I think they have such an like iconic sound that it works for the Barbie movie and it works for them, but I wish they could like just do something different. Like all their music sounds the same to me, but it's fine. For Charlie? Yeah, it's like on the okay. face. Please. She's yeah. a queen. She's yeah. a queen. It's good. It's, hy- it's, it's hyper pop, though. Yeah, yeah, no, true. It is like a sub form of pop. I get that. It's hyper pop. Yeah. And last but not least, the gays are going for this one, but Paris Hilton, hot one. Yeah, this is going to be a no for me. <laughs> I'm, I don't understand what's going on in this three minutes of music. Um, <laughs> I just never really understood her as a singer. It makes no sense to me, um, and this is just not doing it for me. So, yeah, that's where I'm at. He really wants he he wants the boys to come for him. Yeah, come for me for Gwen for Paris. I I, I did love most of the songs though, but so. as long as you like Paris Hilton, stars are blind. Mm. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Okay, so. 
Oh my gosh, we are just about out of time. Wow. Okay. It is wildly already 30 minutes. So thank you all so much. Yes, that's all we have for today's episode of Half Hour. And thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our conversation today. And if you have any feedback or suggestions for future episodes, we'd love to hear from you. You can connect with us on Instagram and TikTok at Half Hour Podcast. And don't forget to to, to uh, don't forget to descri- subscribe. <laughs> don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a rating and review. And we'll then see you all on our next episode, which is an interview with Levi Holloway. Yes, so check a couple it out. days. Make sure you check that out for yes. sure. But I'm Jeff, and I'm Richie. Saying ta-ta. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.